And on January the 16th, 1865, General Sherman issued Field Order Number 15, which gave uh, the freed slaves all of the land from North Carolina down to Florida, from the Sea Islands 30 miles inward, uh, through Field Order Number 15. This has been commonly known as the 40 acre and a mule deal. Uh, but this is a voice of former mayor of Savannah, Georgia, Otis Johnson. He's speaking on C-SPAN in about 2011, discussing the formation and dissolution of Field Order 15. Uh, but shortly after that field order was issued, uh, you know that Lincoln was assassinated. Uh, President Johnson was a Southern sympathizer so it didn't take long for that field order to be voided. And that uh, put a, a stumbling block in the way for African-American slaves who had been freed to have an economic foundation in what was then an, an agrarian society. So that's one of my favorite stories. Curious Roots is a podcast that digs deep into the living earth of our personal, familial, and communal lives to help us understand how we exist in the world today. But among some of the first families there, we would find, say, uh, the former soldiers such as Mustafa Shaw, uh, Robert Delegal. They had originally been on St. Catherine's uh, as part of what we called the experiment uh, with uh, Black leadership that Tunis Cam Campbell managed to bring to the region. So um, as they had gone back and rescinded uh, the order uh, in, in 1866, because unfortunately once uh, President Lincoln was assassinated and Johnson came in to play, uh, that was one of the first things that he did. Welcome to Curious Roots. I'm Michelle McCrary. We're continuing with the history of Harris Neck with some help from researcher and genealogist Terry Ward of Ujima Genealogy of Coastal Georgia. At this point, Field Order 15 is in place and the period known as Reconstruction is underway. Terry mentions Tunis Campbell. Campbell was from New Jersey and one of the most powerful black politicians of the Reconstruction era. According to the New Georgia Encyclopedia, Campbell founded an anti-colonization society in 1832. He pledged to, quote, never leave this country until every slave was free on American soil, end quote. By 1865, he was chosen to oversee the resettlement efforts that were part of Field Order 15, specifically for Ossabaugh, Delaware, Colonels, St. Catharines, and Sapelo Island. The very next year, in 1866, President Lincoln is assassinated. And the fight for all of the freedmen to hold on to their land becomes even harder as Field Order 15 is revoked under the new regime of President Andrew Johnson. Then you have Johnson, who's basically at his core. He's born a Southerner. He's got the Southern uh, traditions um, and attitudes. And um, so all of the progress that was put forth uh, and the intentions, I should say, with Lincoln would fall apart under the Johnson administration. So essentially, um, people were driven off of St. Catharines. 
so like I said, I know that Mustafa and Robert Delegal, uh, there's a great story out there uh, written by Allison Dorsey showing uh, exactly how they ended up at Harris Neck. Uh, I think Nephi's Point first and then Harris Neck. And then um, there are other soldiers such as Daniel Dunham. Daniel Spaulding, there's a, a couple of Union soldiers or their pensions show that they had actually settled in there. Mustafa Shaw was one of the former soldiers who fought with the Union Army and received land through Field Order 15. Shaw went to Asaba Island to start his new life. Before the war, he escaped the Delegal Plantation on Harris Neck to join the 33rd Colored Infantry alongside my third great-grandfather, Lester Grant. Mustafa hated his father with good reason. His father, Edward W. Delegal, was also his enslaver on the Delegal Plantation where Mustafa was born on Harris Neck. Mustafa changed his name when he joined the army, taking what my elder would call his basket name, Mustafa, and pairing it with Shaw in honor of Robert Gould Shaw, who led the 54th in the Civil War, another all-Black regiment, just like the 33rd Colored Infantry. As Field Order 15 was under assault, the former enslavers and human traffickers began returning to the islands to remove freedmen who had already made their homes there. According to Professor Allison Dorsey's research in the paper, Black Settlement and Community Development on Asaba Island, Georgia, 1865 to 1900, Mustafa was eventually forced from his home on Asaba, but he did not leave without a fight. Armed with a pistol and a bowie knife, alongside Robert and Lee Delegal, most likely his cousins, and a man named Paldo Brown, the men fought to defend their land which was rightfully promised to them under Field Order 15. Shaw defended his home when the former slave owners tried to return and retake the land under Andrew Johnson's new circular order 10, which revoked Field Order 15. Mustafa ultimately had to flee Asaba Island as authorities hunted him and his cousins for, quote, defiance. Shaw ended up purchasing 10 acres of land from his hated father, Edward W. Delegal, for $1 in 1868. This land that Mustafa Shah purchased would become part of the foundation that grew into the community of Harris Neck. But what's missing from the narrative and the documentation is just that. Uh, a lot of it's missing. So you're, you've got to piece things together through property deeds and, and, and wills because they have uh, either fallen to courthouse burnings or else they're in private hands. I can say, when I say private hands, I was fortunate to run across one, say, for the Mifflin family, who actually purchased their property from the Brailsfords. Because again, as Field Order 15 was rescinded, it placed the freedmen in a position that they would have to deal with the former planters and outright buy it. According to pension records Terry generously shared with me, after the Civil War, Mustafa was among the people who helped my third great-grandparents, Lester and Elizabeth Grant, move back to Harris Neck from St. Catharines Island. I would imagine that they were among those who were driven off of St. Catharines once Field Order 15 was revoked. So between 18... 
1875, it's, it's kind of miraculous, but we see these, these land contracts, um, well, labor contracts coming in, basically, where these returning freedmen are negotiating to work, you know, for the former planter. And first thing they did is they followed what Garrison Fraser had asked for, is to acquire property and land. So they become landowners, and with that responsibility, the males at least, you know, become voters. And um, the whole nature of of the Low Country uh, community, the um, the leadership, you you have basically now a demographic that is predominantly uh, African American because the ratio was say four to five African Americans for every you know white European male voter. And you have a, a real shift in, in the community in terms of who's wielding power and how it's used. And this is kind of, uh, again, one of the parallels that should be pointed out when we look at what's going on now versus what happened then. Because basically, you expand now the pool of voters. You have voters that, um, you know, uh, up until this point had been marginalized and ignored. And now they have a powerful voice. And um, they're the core of the community. And the parallel that I like to make is when we look at today, we have bought in, um, we, you know, we're such a diverse country now and the demographics are changing. We've had an African-American president and um, it's very similar in terms of the feel and the energy that you see at that point. And um, basically there's pushback. So my ancestors enter this period where their ability to live as free citizens is continually under attack. The ability for people attempting to make their lives anew on the sea islands was continually undermined and thwarted. Now would be a good time to reflect on the fact that Mustafa Shaw was Miss Mary's grandfather. Her grandfather. I know there's a fiction that all of this happened so, so long ago, and this is all in the past, but Miss Mary is a woman that I met and that I knew, and this was her grandfather. Her grandfather fought in the Civil War. We're not so far from this past. Historian, educator, and author Carol Anderson in her book, White Rage, says that after the Civil War, quote, America was at the crossroads between its slaveholding past and the possibility of a truly inclusive, vibrant democracy. Further in that paragraph, to paraphrase Anderson somewhat inelegantly, surely at this moment, post a four-year war with millions dead, and most southern cities still smoking like the Targaryens lit them up with one smooth Dracarys. Surely these white southerners would concede that there had to be a better way to live. Surely they would consider this. Spoiler alert, they did not. As Terry said, Field Order 15 was rescinded after Lincoln's assassination in 1866. This was 10 years before the end of Reconstruction. 
Reconstruction only lasted from December 8, 1863 to March 31, 1877, and it was under attack the entire time. All of the Black elected officials who were legally elected to govern in many of these southern states were basically run out of office by these former slaveholders and their descendants. When I spoke to Terry, this sense that the U.S. was at another one of these crossroads felt very evident to both of us. We stand at these crossroads again because America refuses to let go of its slave-holding past. My ancestors simply sought to live their lives on their own terms, informed by a hard-won culture they both retained and created anew under the brutal system of chattel slavery. My ancestors' ability to not only survive but thrive post-enslavement was a direct rebuke of the fiction of white supremacy and superiority. That fear that slave owners had of vengeance and reprisal was projected onto black communities in brutal waves of violence all along the coastal South and beyond. Sadly, that brutality would never end. It would only shift shape and form, but it never ceased its devastating impact upon my family and black families throughout the South. Next time on episode four, we're going to dig into the lives of the people who actually lived on Harris Neck and find out more about what life was like before July 1942. This is Michelle McCrary. Thank you again for listening to Curious Roots. Curious Roots is co-produced by Converge Collaborative and Moonshadow Productions. Our theme music is courtesy of Makai Beats. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to check out CuriousRootsPod.com if you want to learn more about what you've heard. Big thank you to our producer, Pat McMahon. My deepest gratitude to Mr. Wilson Moran and to the community of Harris Neck. Big thank yous to Terry Ward and Adolphus Armstrong of Ujima Genealogy. And thank you to my relatives who are now with the ancestors, especially Miss Mary Moran and my grandmother, Margaret Baston White. Thank you all for listening to Curious Roots. <laughs>